to the International House of Horrors. Welcome back, valued guests, to the International House of Horrors, your sanctuary of spooky. I am one of your two curators, Joe Merle. And I am Josh, the other curator. And we are here to open the doors to the house to talk about all things good, terrible, horrible, scary. That's kind of weird. Good, terrible. We want the <laughs> the best of the worst is what we're exactly. talking about here. Yeah, All things horror and spooky. Josh, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm doing good. How are you? It's your birthday today. You're a year older. <laughs> it is. Is it, is it horror for you yet? <laughs> it is horrible to get older. That's the... Uh, no, man, it is my birthday today, and I appreciate you uh, uh, bringing that up and saying the happy birthdays. Man, it's awesome. It's a good day. You know, um, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, it's... it's. It, I'm at a good place in life right now. So it's... And, and I want to encourage other people that... It, I don't, there's this weird stigma about getting older, but I honestly feel the older I've got, the better life has gotten. And it, it's, you know, a lot of people remember... I don't know how it is in Germany, <clears throat> but over here a lot of... Or you see it in the media a lot, I guess, like, oh, high school was great, and, you know, remembering the good old days. And I'm like, yeah, high school was all right, but fuck that shit. Like, it's, it's way cooler. Now I got my own money. You can buy my shit that I want, and I've got two beautiful <laughs> children who are amazing. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a good birthday. Good birthday today on the, the 19th of August. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. Getting older is not a bad thing. It's no. uh, so far it only got better. <laughs> right. It only gets better. Um, but how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm having a good time. <laughs> yes. And you guys, it's so weird. We have the time difference. I just, Josh and I were talking back and forth before the the show started and I'm headed out to get uh, a morning coffee, a birthday coffee, and he's having dinner and he's like, Hey, I'll finish up. <laughs> I'll finish up eating and let you know when I'm ready. Uh, but this is episode seven of the international house of horrors. And if you listened to us last week, you know, we talked about the top tier horror icons. And if you didn't listen, go back, check out episode six, because that's kind of a, a preface to this. You need that information before getting into, into episode seven. And we're going to talk about, so this was the original question we got from Will over at the Hey Down in Front podcast. He said, hey, who are the second tier horror icons? Well, in order to talk about second tier, we had to establish first tier. So we did that last week. But you brought this up to me, and I think I maybe had a similar um, feeling after the fact, and maybe a, a revelation after the fact. But we left out a huge segment <laughs> and never discussed yeah. some very specific horror monsters uh, and that's the universal monsters. Yeah. So we could have basically filled the top 10 with just like the, the classics, Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the invisible man. Th that would be a top 10 in its own. Right. And, and it very well could have been. And, and honestly, for all intents and purposes, it probably should have been because without <laughs> these, and I was talking with Shana about it yesterday. And I said, these are the granddaddies. Like without these monsters, you know, because the Universal era started around 19, I think it was 23, was Hunchback. So there was the the few in oh, the silent era. Yeah. I think Opera was 25. I want to say Phantom of the Opera was 25, and Hunchback of Notre Dame was 23. But, so you're talking the silent, these movies, and it's crazy to think about, 
we almost have a couple of horror movies that are a hundred years old and there's probably stuff older than this, but I, I mean, still well known and still watched to this day. Cause when was, um, Nosferatu? 20? Was, uh, 18? I think 1919. So 1919? it's getting a hundred years old next year. If I'm, Holy if shit. I'm correct. Can you imagine we're going to get a special edition that says the hundred year anniversary edition? Oh no, it old. was 22. I'm sorry. Uh, I I had that wrong. So maybe uh, Caligari was nineteen. Some movie was nineteen. Yeah, there were, there was something in the teens, and I think there might have been an even little short clips where they, you know, first serial killer like Jack the Ripper type clips from the very birth of cinema. But these are full length movies, and the ones that are still around today that you have access to. If you want to watch them, you can find them, and they're available. So the Universal Monsters, um, and both of those actually, Notre Dame and uh, Phantom were Lon Chaney Senior. Yeah. Who is, uh, I mean, what do they call him? The man of a thousand faces? And yeah, he would, exactly. He would transform himself with his, his makeup. And, like, you see them old pictures of him, like, pulling his face back with these, <laughs> like, contraptions in his mouth. Um, he was very, very intense. Probably, I mean, anybody who's ever done a special effect, everyone probably starts with Lon Chaney Sr. And, yeah, and, and he first. made his own. He right, made his right. own makeup all the time. And it looks awesome. And can you imagine applying that to your own face? Right. <laughs> Yeah, because you see pictures now of these actors in chairs and they just sit there perfectly still for, you know, three hours to get all their makeup done. And he's probably just in a bathroom somewhere, like yanking <laughs> his face back and forth. But uh, so those, I mean, the silent ones are big, but it really was once we got into the 30s when the Universal Monsters exploded. And so, as you mentioned, you had Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Mummy, the Invisible Man, and Creature from the Black Lagoon are kind of the... I would say the the biggest, and I did want to talk to you a little bit, and and we should mention uh, Lugosi, Karloff, and Lon Chaney Jr. were faces that kind of crossed all of these uh, franchises for the most part, or at least they're the biggest yeah. names, I would say, the ones that everybody uh, remembers, and I have to mention always the great uh, Elsa Lancaster, who is in my personal favorite of the Universal Monster movies, but so these characters still exist in the world today, you know, vampires, the the idea of the Frankenstein's monster, the mad scientist, I think kind of started here. And without Mary Shelley, I think give her all the credit in the world. We wouldn't have the Frankenstein's monster. But of these uh, characters, and, and this is what I, I really got to thinking about, is these characters have turned into genres. I mean, yeah. with, without these characters, you've got the vampire movie, the werewolf movie, um, you could even say, how would you classify Creature from the Black Lagoon? Uh, yeah, like, um, well, maybe, maybe like humanoid, almost, like, yeah, almost like, an alien movie. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say as well, like almost it's getting into alien movie or like a creature movie in the, in the more like the, the fifties were all big on these creatures that would attack and Creature from the Black, Black Lagoon is kind of the outlier, right? Because it came out in the fifties. But yeah, it's still they considered the last universal classic. Yeah, it came out in the 50s and I think the very last one I did a little bit of, I was looking through the Wikipedia to see how many of these I'd seen and I think the last one that they actually classify came out in 1960 which oh. is weird to think. But you're right. The 50s um we kind of transferred in the 50s to this era of the nuclear scare. Yeah. And it was the radioactive monsters, you know, the the giant, uh, I love tarantula and stuff like them, you know, the insects that get exploded due to radiation and now they're as tall yeah. as a building and they're going to murder everything. But you're right. A creature would be the really, the last big one. 
that I think people still talk about quite a bit. But of all of these, well, and then we've got the Invisible Man. I think that kind of falls into with Frankenstein a little bit, whereas kind of the ma- the science gone wrong. Yeah. And then it, it kind of corrupts people. And so I think we hit all the big ones. So of these, and I know you and I have seen quite a few of the series because most people remember original Dracula, but there were six in that run of Dracula movies. And yeah. We had so many crossovers, even the, the Abbott and Costello stuff. I love that shit. And yeah, people are always talking about uh, um, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe as being the first thing that they did. No, the, the Universal <laughs> Monsters did it in right. the 30s. <laughs> right, they were all under contract. They didn't have a choice. They were like, you're going into this <laughs> other movie whether you like it or not. And they would even play other characters, though. You know, they, they wouldn't, like, Lugosi would play the Frankenstein monster or vice versa. You know, something along yeah. those lines. Where and they would Lon have Chaney Jr. was, uh, I think Lon Chaney Jr. is the only actor, he played all the big characters. He was the Wolfman, he played Dracula and Dracula's son. He played the Frankenstein monster. And, uh, yeah, so he, he played them all. And yeah. I think he also starred in one of the Mummy movies or something. Like he, It, it wouldn't surprise me because there was quite a few <laughs> of the Mummy movies as well. And Karloff did a, or, um, Karloff did a well, did he do Dracula at one point? Because he did. No. Who, no, he never did Dracula. No, he was a scientist in, I think, one of the crossover movies, I think. And then he did, um, well, he did the Mummy. And, yeah, I think you're right. It was in one of the crossovers. Where he was, but Karloff was great. But of these uh, franchises, which one, as a franchise as a whole, from the original Monsters, is I wanted to find out what your personal favorite is. Oh, the the whole franchise. So not just uh... not just the one standalone movie, but as a um, and and even if you haven't, or I should say, which of the characters do you are you most drawn to? Okay, so my favorite character, but I've only seen one of his movies so far, is I think the invisible man because oh, i enjoyed right this movie even though of course pride of frankenstein is the best of all these movies yeah and i love dracula um especially bela lugosi's but i don't know something about the invisible man and uh, claude rain's voice just always draws me to it and i think that's my favorite character of those well claude rain's is just champ he's a champion yeah. uh, the dude really was great yeah, you know the, vi- the I've seen quite a few of the Invisible Man stuff. I know we both own. I think you own all of them, right? I- no, with the Invisible Man, I only own the first one. I, oh, I own you got- all the Frank Frankenstein, Dracula, and Wolfman movies. But with the rest, I only have the first one. I gotta look into that and find all the others. <laughs> we were. They did some cool ones uh, recently that I picked up. They they are gonna do. They did Blu-rays for everybody but Invisible Man and Creature. But those are coming soon. I was at the video store yesterday, though, and they had the the Alex Ross. Are you familiar with Alex Ross, the artist? Uh, no, not really. So he's a he's a painter. He did a lot of comic, like iconic, iconic comic book covers. I mean, beautiful portrait paintings. But he just did a series of uh, steel books for all the unit, and they're just gorgeous. Oh, oh they're that gorgeous. Sounds awesome. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, oh shit! Like, how many times can I buy the same thing? I even, <laughs> I even said that. Yeah, look up um, Universal Monsters Alex Ross, and you'll see some of those pictures, and it'll make you want to buy them all over again. I, I, I really, and we almost got who was going to play Invisible Man? Johnny Depp, if the the Dark Universe would have taken off oh, after yeah. the Mummy. Yeah, Johnny Depp was slated too. And for me, it's really hard because I, I, I love Dracula a lot, but I love that first Wolfman. That's one that I, I can always go back to. And even in that one, you had Lugosi as a, what was he, a gypsy, um, yeah. kind of the, the matriarch of the, the gypsy family? Or was well, he, the, 
he was the first uh, werewolf. Actually, oh, that's I right. Think. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. And he played a character called Bela, I think. Yeah, they tried real hard. I like that first wolf man, but I, I would have, probably have to say Dracula. I just like that whole series. And, and you're right. Him as Dracula is just one of my favorite lines from any of the Universal monster movies is when he hears the wolf outside in the children of the night. What music they make. make. I I love that. That that movie, I love quoting that movie. Also, the I never drink wine. Wine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so, and and the, the, you know, the the soundstage set pieces. I think they're just, even though you you can tell it was done on a soundstage, there's something about it that's almost magical. You know, it's 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 almost a, a fairy tale in a way. And what is I, I I wrote a paper about the Universal Monsters in college, and we uh, were looking at the idea of film and specifically horror films and its relationship to war. And it's really interesting that if you ever get a chance, just think about it. I don't want you to look anything up, but just think about it. But horror movies tend to reflect the wars that are happening in the world in the way that they portray violence. And in all of the Universal Monster movies, if you if you really take a look at them, you have a very clear um, black and white villain versus good. You have evil versus good. It's very, very clear who's bad and who's good, which yeah. was you know a reflection of the wars that were happening in the 40s and even into Korea. But then once you get into the 60s and you start getting some of the stuff that I've got some stuff um, written down that... We, well, we can talk about later, but um, you start to see this shift in even how movies are made and the portrayal of violence. Once even, you know, coming out of Vietnam with your Texas chainsaws and things like that, horror, you didn't, it wasn't so clear. The lines weren't so clearly drawn. And then it continues on into the torture of, you know, Afghanistan and the waterboarding when we started to get in the torture porn and things like that. Uh, but I always thought that was very cool. So think about that when you get a chance. That, that's awesome. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so the Universal Monsters, uh, really, man, they would be, like you said, they've created genres, which yeah. which no other outside of, I don't, I don't know who, you, so who's considered kind of the first slasher? I, I know American slasher, a lot of people point to Michael Myers, even though there's a few things before that. But a lot of people point to Halloween and then really Friday the 13th brought the slasher genre. But we still to this day, vampires, werewolves, like you said, alien creature movies, mad scientist movies, all of those exist because of the universal monsters. So even though we're making a top tier and a second tier, we we give all the credit in the world. We bow down at the altar of the granddaddies of horror movies and these guys that really did it. Did you have anything else on the universal Uh side? No, I, I think I'm good. Like we we talked about them, and yeah, they they are really the the cr- grandfathers of them all. There there should be some credit given to Nosferatu and Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, and even earlier silent movies. But I think it's it's kind of different. Like these these are the the movies that you you still think about Boris Karloff in that Frankenstein outfit. Like there's right. you you don't think about the 1910 Edison Frankenstein monster. <laughs> No, <laughs> and uh, with um, with Dracula, which is like this big character, like right? Dracula isn't you. You can find him anywhere, but still, if if you hear the name, you either think of uh, Bela Lugosi or maybe Christopher Lee. Right. But at least once you hear the voice, if you uh, thought, uh, think about his voice, you think of the accent that Bela Lugosi put on. And you're right; he is Dracula. I mean, yeah. most, because you could show his face to anyone, and they would be like, "That's Dracula." Yeah, even, exactly. if they have, even if they're not familiar with the film at all, 
<clears throat> and these movies are all worth revisiting. If you've never seen even some of the expanded universe of this stuff, there's a lot of good flicks in there, especially the the Dracula. I haven't watched all of the the Mummy, and I know I haven't watched all the Invisible Man, but I think I've seen all the Dracula, Wolf uh, Wolfman, Frankenstein. There's some really, really fun stuff in there. Give it a chance. Yeah. And there's some beautiful restorations of this stuff, which I'm glad yeah. we have, that it didn't get, you know, lost to the wayside. And you're right, Nosferatu, without it, Caligari, I think, was more um, influential in technique than anything else. And being able to tell a story, like, to show madness on um, screen and, like, dreams and, you know, inside the human mind, nobody had really done that before, yeah. which was super cool. But Caligari is probably most famous because Rob Zombie put it in, uh, was it uh, Living Dead Girl? He The music video. He used oh. all the, the Caligari imagery, and uh, I think a lot of people would actually recognize that, but Caligari is great. If you've never seen it, give it a go. And Nosferatu yeah, is sure. a must. Man, no, Nosferatu he, is still scary to this day, and it's from 1922. <laughs> yeah, which is, man, coming up on 100 years. So the yeah. Universal Monsters, check those out. If you've never seen them, definitely Man, give it a go. And if you, around Halloween time, uh, Turner Classic Movies is always playing them. So you can just turn on the TV and they're on for almost the whole month of October. So now we'll jump into the the segment that we had planned for today, and that is the second-tier horror icons. And before we get right into all this, I do want to say we got a couple of messages. Um, so thank you, everybody, first off, for writing. We appreciate the feedback and input into the show. The first one came from Will, and I want to start with this one because I think we we should at least try to to name it. So he wants to know who is the number one um, of our top ten, the top tier horror icons. Who do you think is the most recognizable of the list of ten that we put together? The 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 daddy of them all. Who's the one that everybody knows? And I want to get your thoughts. I have my thoughts, and Will gave me his thoughts. Um, and I'm biased. I wanted to say my favorite, but I know my favorite's not not the number one. But but what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm also biased. My favorite is still Freddy, and mm. I think Freddy might be the number one. But actually, I think he'll either have to share with Jason. Like I I think they're both almost the same amount of famous. But I think Jason might be a bit more because. With Freddy, it's just like a burnt guy in the sweater. But with Jason, you get the hockey mask. You just need to see a hockey mask and you think of Jason. Right. So I think the the most famous, the biggest is probably Jason. And and I agree with you. And that was the same thing that Will said because he was like, who's your number one? I was like, well, it's fucking Mike Myers. All the, like, that's, because he's my personal favorite. But you're right, is the the iconic hockey mask. That's, yeah. you're right. Even if Even if somebody was just... You know, you could be watching a hockey game and the goalie fucks up and somebody could be like, oh, fuck Jason Voorhees fucking it up over there. Like that is so ingrained in the pop culture that that is somebody who's coming to kill you. And everybody knows his name is Jason. And even I mean, you got video games Friday the 13th that are still super popular right now that that people just love Jason Voorhees. And I don't know if it's that he's the you know, Freddie had much more personality. Than, than Jason across the board. And and the original Nightmare on Elm Street, I think, is still very scary. There's yeah. a lot of... One of the weird... The things that creeps me out the most about that movie to this day is when he's... And it's the one that they thought would look really, really silly and ridiculous when he's uh, running down the alleyway and his arms get really long. And yeah, he, yeah it's such a weird it's the first sequence. first time you see him and it already 
shows you there are no rules here. Right. And yeah, it looks a bit silly, but also, I don't know, because you, you're not expecting it, it kind of makes it a bit more scary that people shouldn't look like that. Right. People, and, and they did a really good job with the lighting, I think, because it was yeah. it was all backlit and he's just a, a shadow, but you see these giant arms and you do realize, like, this isn't, this isn't normal. And then he goes into all the, like, cutting, like, hey, Tina, check this out, fucking cutting his fingers off. Yeah. Um, and I think he even pulls his face off at that point. But yeah, you're right. I think so. You're right. Uh, Jason Voorhees is, he's the one, man. He really is yeah. uh, the most iconic. I don't know which of the franchises has made the most money. I know Jason <laughs> has the most movies. But yeah. I think, I don't know how many, if you count the, well, with the reboots. So there was 10 Halloweens. Well, we're about to get 11, the 11th Halloween. Well, Jason's with, at 12, at least. Yeah, because you had, I mean, Jason X was 10, then you had the... Um, you have the reboot. So are they? Yeah. Will they be even with the new Halloween? Um, I think uh, people usually also count uh, Freddy versus Jason. Oh yeah, it, that's which fair. Would be, so the, because often I hear that the next <clears throat> Friday the thirteenth will be will be the thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, so yeah, but so Will, thank you for the uh, the question, but there's really no denying it. Um, yeah. And if anybody wants to argue that another horror icon is more iconic, uh, please let us know. Send us a message and yeah, because I'd be well, interested. The only thing I, I'd like to add is that I feel like Jason actually has the worst movies of them all. Like, at least with with uh, Halloween, there, there are a few really good ones. With Nightmare on Elm Street, there are at least two or three really good ones. But uh, with... Friday the 13th, I feel like even the first one was original. It no, it wasn't even original, but it was it had a, a good twist. But it wasn't a great movie. The effects were pretty good, but it wasn't a good movie. Like with Nightmare on Elm Street, I'd say that's a good movie. Even non-horror fans will enjoy that movie or see it for what it is. While with Friday the 13th, I often hear people. I love that movie. It's it's a lot of fun, but I often hear people say that it's not a good movie. And, it, and well, yeah, I mean, Cunningham has even said like after the success of Halloween, I was just trying to kind of copy a lot of things from Halloween. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and the it, it, I think what made it so great is it did have a great twist. There were some good performances in, but it, I mean, it's pretty campy. There's not like you said. There's not a lot of depth. Whereas with a, a Nightmare on Elm Street, I think there's definitely some some depth there. And with Halloween, you had the amazing Jamie Lee Curtis who just showed up and stole the show. Without Jamie yeah. Lee, Halloween probably would have been passed off as just, you know, another kind of just indie, low-budget horror flick shown in a grindhouse that somebody yeah. would go see. And you also had John Carpenter behind that score. And you can't take away from Deborah Hill, who was his right hand woman the entire time. Um, they re just between the score, the aesthetics, and uh, and now I'm just fanboying on Halloween, <laughs> but it it really is great. But you're yeah. and you know what though, some of my to your point, maybe just to give another perspective, some of my favorite in the Friday the Thirteenth franchise are a little bit later on. They're the the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, so four, five, and six. The four with Corey Feldman. Super good. I, I just like that. Um, and then even getting into seven, 
I, I even though it's, it's a weird one, like the girls got telekinetic powers, but I think that yeah. was an awesome looking Jason, the zombie Jason. Once we get that, like you can see the spine coming out, you know, his back and things like that. And some of that stuff, though, for me is nostalgia. I was yeah, a kid. Sure. I was a kid who should not have been watching that shit. <laughs> Because, but my mom was always real relaxed when it came to movies. I don't, I don't know why, but I mean, I have home video of somebody walking around my grandma's house with uh, the video camera. I couldn't have been older than, you know, nine or 10. And my brother was probably eight and we were watching Jason Takes Manhattan, which, (laughs) (laughs) but so a lot of those, it was just, um, it's just the feels. And I, I just love the Jason character, but you're right. That mask you show. And then we got some bad Jason movies though. That Jason X yeah. is that Jason X is pretty rough. Space Jason, um, even though it's got my favorite kill of the entire franchise. That that Space Jason, and I didn't mind Jason Goes to Hell. It was weird, but um, it was just a weird take on the mythology. And hopefully, we talked last week about the uh, script we have read. We had read for a potential. I'm hoping we get a good Jason sometime in the future because. To our to our point, um, he's the most iconic. You put that name on anything, and you're going to make your money back. Yeah, I no think that's what. why it's announced all the time, but always canceled because they don't want to come out with shit. They don't Maybe. want to, but they probably will. <laughs> probably, <laughs> okay. but we'll still watch it. <laughs> yep, I will be there no matter what. I mean, fucking, I went to watch Slender Man. I'll watch almost anything <laughs> horror at the movie theater. And they're not always good, folks. And then the other <laughs> message we got was from Tony over at Take Two Pod- Podcast. What's up, Tony? He um, he was really shocked that we did not have Norman Bates in our top ten. And after I, you know, some careful consideration, he's. I'm surprised I didn't bring it up because Psycho is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like it's top three for sure. Might even be number one. I absolutely yeah. love that movie, and. You had the sequels. Have you seen all the sequels? No, I've only seen the first one. <laughs> oh, okay. You got to watch some of the, the second one's pretty good. I, I really enjoy yeah. the second one. The the third and the fourth one get a little weird. And then there was a made for TV movie where this um, this guy who is friends with Norman in the the uh, psychiatric hospital, like Norman, just gives him the hotel, and he <laughs> it, it was bad. But it is out there. <clears throat> But the Bates Motel TV show was uh, super popular. And so the yeah. character is still uh, very, very well known. So do you think Norman, I, I do think he should have been under consideration for the top 10, but I think we might've got to the same place as with Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, I think so too. He, he, he doesn't really fit with all the other guys that we had in there. He's, right. he's also not the typical killer. I mean, if, if we're being real, we it it's almost a spoiler naming him but because that movie is from the 60s everyone knows by now right but like he isn't even known as the killer in the first movie it's his mother it's just a crazy woman and then uh, at the end it turns out it was him all along so spoilers right. for psycho i guess <laughs> <laughs> so it is he i wouldn't fit him in there even though most people probably know the name by now norman bates right I just you there is something there in that it it is much more psychological thriller than I think horror and this is one of the few instances where I will say the movie is so much better than the book. I, I've read that book and when the book was put out, it was kind of just like a, a little pulp novel. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't meant to be this groundbreaking 
thing, but you had Hitchcock coming off North by Northwest and saying, I really want to make this thing. And everybody telling him, like, you're fucking crazy. What are you doing? Everybody telling him it was nuts to try and make this. So he, this was a labor of love for Hitchcock. He really wanted to make this specific thing. And everyone's heard the stories about him buying up all the novels. You can't get into the <laughs> yeah. movie if you show up um, a few minutes late because it was groundbreaking. You, we'd never had instances where you kill off the main character 45 minutes into the movie. Yeah, and and you know you have the the of course the toilet flushing first time a toilet was ever shown flushing on <laughs> yeah, on film and crazy. I would say even more iconic than Norman Bates is the sound. Yeah, everyone knows that sound. Everybody now. knows that sound because it's been used and you know parodied and put into other things in pop culture so many times. But I do have Norman on my, which leads us into our our second tier top ten. And I will put that as my uh, my first one up. I've got Norman Bates. Yeah, I, I also wrote him down on my list. Um, but yeah, I, I put him down with a with a question mark because, like with Hannibal Lecter, I'm he he should be mentioned at some point. Right. But like he he would be one for me if we can fill the list with ten other characters that fit even more. I wouldn't be too mad if we cut him out again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because yeah, I'm I'm not so sure if he really fits the horror villain, uh, uh, kind name. of the framework. Yeah, yeah. No, he's um he is on my list for me. So we can start there. Then we'll just go back and forth. So the the next one I had on my list was from 1992, the amazing Tony Todd, and that is Candyman. Yeah, I I've written him down too. He he should be on there at least now. He is that, one of the second tier. Like, you don't think about him right away, but he comes up. Right. He always comes up. And people, it, it's been a while since I've watched, uh, what was the the second Candyman? Farewell to the Flesh, I think it was called. I, I think. But, but Candyman is a very creepy, creepy villain. And, and more than anything, it's just, there's a lot of people who are weirded out by insects. And, you know, always the bees everywhere and that hook on the hand. And you've got Tony Todd doing it. He's got that real, you know, deep voice. And he's a, he's a scary, scary individual. So I think he deserves to be on the list for sure. And what did you have uh, What did you have next? Well, so the first one I wrote down, the first one that came to my mind. But I'm not even sure if he fits because he's he's not really iconic yet. But to the fans, he is. And that's Leslie Vernon from Behind the Mask. He's Very he's nice. my favorite of the I don't know, I would put him in the second tier because he's just I, I can't even explain it, but I love his movie and I think he he's getting more and more recognition now as he we, should. Yeah, because we just came up on what the tenth anniversary was last year? Was it last year or the year before? Oh I, I think that might be last year. I think, yeah, I think it was last year. Yeah. The so we watched probably thirty minutes of it or something. I turned on Shutter the other night and it was playing on the the Shutter TV. You know how when you first open it up, oh, and you're yeah, right. Yeah. It's Leslie Vernon is great that in that he lives in a world where horror icons exist. Like that in itself is amazing. Like that's yeah. a whole nother level of meta that we rarely see in horror movies. So I really like that and and seeing his. He embodies the the horror killer in the sense that he's doing everything that we've seen in movies since we started watching horror movies. 
Yeah. He's like, oh no, I gotta go. And the part when we turned it on or when it was on TV was when he was trying to get the news article. He's like, oh, I made this in Photoshop. It's real cool, right? <laughs> and he's trying to get it into the computer system where the his victim, his final girl, is gonna end up finding this uh, this article. And and all the beauty stuff. He's like, no, I just gotta stand here long enough to where she sees me. Then I'm gonna hide really quick. So when she turns around, that way, that way I'm not here anymore. And it's all the stuff we've seen in movies. You know, for all these years we've been watching stuff like this happen. So I would agree with you. And I do think though, in in as far as iconic, I don't know how many people would recognize Leslie Vernon. You're right, genre fans love Leslie Vernon. But I don't know. And with second tier, I think we're getting into some area where we're gonna be dealing with a lot of stuff that genre people would know. Yeah. And not exactly. necessarily the the general populace, but I think there are some on the list that could be, uh, could still be recognized by the general public, which leads me to my next one, and it's from 2014. I've got Annabelle. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of her, but yeah, she got two movies now, and I think the second, like the, the first one, didn't get as many fans, <clears throat> but the second one is like they say is really good, right? I haven't seen any of those movies, sadly. Yeah, she well, she got her start in The Conjuring. Which they just show the doll. The doll is in the um, the opening, yeah. Yeah, she's in the opening sequence, and I think at the end, because at one point in The Conjuring, the daughter gets uh, the Warren's daughter is stuck in the room with all the artifacts with the doll, and the grandma's yeah. trying to get her. But the the weird thing about Annabelle is she is not the monster; <laughs> she's just a doll. And I know you haven't seen these, but she's just a vessel for this demonic presence. And over yeah. the course of the two movies. Um, you learn how this all happens, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who might still want to see it. I do recommend watching it, but I think you see that face, and you immediately know that's Annabelle. Yeah. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Because when we were at the store yesterday, they had, I mean, there was a huge Annabelle doll that you could buy, and there's, you know, Annabelle Funkos. And for me, I'm a, I'm a huge sucker for a doll movie. I just love creepy <laughs> dolls. I like all things dolls, but I like creepy dolls. And Annabelle is super creepy. And I would encourage you to check those movies out because they are um, – the first one, like you said, wasn't wasn't the greatest, but it was okay. But the second one, you had amazing performances by all these kids, and I think they really showed up and, and did a good job with it. But there's just something terrifying about looking and seeing that doll sitting in a rocking chair that's moving back and forth. It's like, what the fuck? Stop doing yeah. that, doll. Uh, okay, what do you got next? Um, I've got uh, the next one on my list uh, that I – and I really like and I think should come up is Captain Spaulding I've or got, maybe even the whole Firefly family but I think mostly Captain Spaulding I've got Captain Spaulding as well yeah he's he's one of the uh, of the big ones I think people recognize his face uh, what what's his name the actor um, Sid Haig Sid Haig yeah he's he's awesome and I just love that character and of course they're getting a new movie, right? Like yeah, soon. they so it, so he started was introduced in two thousand three in House of a Thousand Corpses, which isn't the greatest movie. But if you read the history of that movie, Zombie had so many problems. Like so much of that movie was even shot at his house. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was like, we just got to figure out how to do this because there was distribution problems, financing problems. But Captain Spaulding, and even in House of a Thousand Corpses. We saw him as Captain Spaulding only for a little while. He wasn't around through most of House of a Thousand Corpses. He was at the beginning, which is great, when he gives, you know, he's talking to the the tourists. And it wasn't really until The Devil's Rejects, 
which is the superior of the two movies in, in sure. every way. But he is genuinely terrifying. And you're right, the makeup. He has this this look about him that people just know who he is. But even when he steals that lady's car and he's like, what's wrong, kid? Don't you like clowns? Aren't we fucking funny? <laughs> <laughs> but he's a very, in a lot of ways, he's a very human character, which you don't see a lot with some of these killers on this list who are, you know, just the embodiment of evil. He has almost a certain, I don't want to say charm, but in a way he's kind of charming. The same way that Freddy yeah. is. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's kind of like Freddy. That's true. And and yes, when you say the Firefly family, I mean, Otis Driftwood is one of the scariest characters to be created in the last 25 years. Um, but Captain Spaulding, he's just got the face paint. He's Yeah, I mean, it's he's something, more recognizable than the others. Right, yeah, even though I think Otis has got the better lines, like yeah. the next words out of your mouth better be some brilliant fucking Mark Twain shit because it's definitely <laughs> getting chiseled on your tombstone. Like that's some <laughs> hardcore shit to say to somebody right before yeah. you're about to murder him. Um, Spalding, I'm with you. I think definitely deserves to be on the list. The next one I had, and I want to get your take on this. So this one, I, I, I don't know. This is from 1985, and I wrote down the name Bub. And I wrote down Bub. So Bub is from Day of the Dead, and I think ah. is is the most iconic zombie in all of the of the Dead series. And so Bub is the first time that they're starting to realize that the zombies have a little bit of awareness. And you always see the image of Bub with the Walkman, the the headphones on. Yeah. And I don't know. And again, I think this lends itself to genre fans. I don't know if anybody, everybody would identify him as a zombie. He he has the typical, typical zombie look. But I still think Bub is iconic in that when people talk about any of the of the dead series, You'll always, when you're talking to another horror person, they almost always mention Bub. Oh, yeah, Bub. Because Bub picks up a gun and Bub shoots, which nobody had really done before. So I've got Bub on mine. We can debate that in a little bit. But I did want to put at least one zombie on the list because, man, we live in a world of zombies. Yeah. I haven't uh, seen that movie yet. Um, it's it's one of the banned ones over here. And I didn't get my hands on that movie yet. Uh, but I know about man. Bob. And I, I totally agree. He should be on this list. I think we're really now in the in the point where we have to take uh, genre fans. Because right. I think even with our top 10. not Like if I asked uh, friends of mine. Uh, if they know all these characters. If I asked Michael from Filmhouse. I think he wouldn't know all the characters in our top 10 right. maybe. But you're or, right. We we may be catering more to genre people, but you know what? Yeah. It's probably genre people who are listening to our podcast. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. I doubt it's Michael. But I did like that you said that. You know, you said, I haven't seen that movie, but I know who Bub is. Yeah. Because, because yeah. he's his image is, is shared so oftenly because he was the first zombie to really have a personality and to yeah, have any kind of a, a human element that you could relate to or project yourself onto and say, okay, he has feeling, I have feeling. Therefore, I can relate closer to Bub, whereas nobody really relates to Jason because you can't. There, that connection has been severed completely. Yeah, He's just Jason evil. is something different, yeah. yeah. And I also agree that we should have a zombie on there. And I think he's the, the only major zombie uh, that even has a name. Right. Most of the time, the zombies are some characters that we had that come back. But this is just a, a zombie... Now, That's there, there the are your, if you think of stuff like um, Life After Beth or Fido, you know, you have these, these iconic images, but I think those are almost a different, because they almost always lend themselves to comedy in a way. Yeah. 
Whereas this was more traditional horror and a lot of that stuff where you have this zombie who, uh, or that one I just watched, uh, it stains the sand red where this, yeah. this woman spends the whole movie walking across the desert with a zombie following her and she gives him a name and they end up talking and, uh, well not, he's not talking to her, but you know, there's converse, one-sided conversation, but I think zombie as a whole iconic zombie bub is where it's at. Oh, recently I uh, I was in the in the living room and the TV was on and there was some Disney movie on and there's there seems to be a new Disney musical about zombies and I'm just <laughs> totally confused. It was like I think they they went the warm bodies route of having the zombie actually being able to talk because oh, yeah. there was a guy with like a little makeup that made him look like a bit more pale and he was dancing and singing with a girl. So it was really weird. I don't know what it's called, but and there <laughs> zombies was a, are everywhere. There was another one I recently watched, Burying the X. And it was Anton Yelkin and, um, uh, oh, shoot, what's her name? D- um, Alexandra Daddario. And his oh. girlfriend comes back from the dead. But she can talk and, and all this stuff. But those feel very different. When you say the word zombie, you know, you think of this undead monster who's just on a, on a he's just hungry. And yeah. the, they're kind of driven by by hunger. Okay, so after Bub, uh, what do you got next on your list? Mm, one I brought up uh, last uh, last week, but I'm uh, I haven't seen many of the movies. I've only seen the first one. But Victor Crowley, he's like the big uh, favorite, and I've like, got him on the, my list as well. Yeah, there are four movies now about him. Four, like, movies. four movies. Yeah, yeah, three three Hatchet movies, and then the fourth one is called Victor Crowley. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so Victor Crowley is uh, the first one we mentioned. Hatchet was from 2006. He is the, I would say, one of the only modern slashers who hails from the 80s slasher era in in that he's just an undead killing machine. And these movies are great in that they're just gory as fuck. Like all the gore all the time. They're all Um, bent over here. All practical (laughs) effects. It's uh and and he's a creepy looking dude. He he almost reminds me a little bit of you know he's a mix between like if you if Jason and the Hills Have Eyes had a baby, I think Victor Crowley would be the spawn. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and he's even played by uh, Kane uh, Hodder. What's his name? Kane Hodder, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So he, it only fits. So yeah, he he deserves to be on there. I think. Absolutely, and you've got some other great um, genre players in those movies. You know, you've got Tony Todd and Danielle Harris, like you said, Kane Hodder, Caroline Williams. Um, you got a lot. The, the dude, I can't remember his name, and was it Adam Green that made? Yeah, Adam the Green Crowley? is the yeah. director. Um, he he is a a lover of the genre. You can tell that yeah. he is a fan of horror movies. He's not someone who just got a little bit of money and was going to make a horror movie because they tend to turn a profit because they can be made for so little. He really does love this the source material and the history of horror. You can see it in in every frame with Victor Crowley. Yeah. And so yeah, watch Hatchet. Hatchet's good. For and sure. the, the next up on my list comes from 1989, and we actually had a, a new entrant or the rebooting of the series just happened. I'm gonna watch it. Maybe today I'll watch it if I finish watching. I've been watching that new um, Disenchanted, the Matt Groening uh, Netflix show. I, I the, saw the which first episode really today. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. But if I get yeah. a chance today, I'm going to watch the new one, which is called The Littlest Reich. But I put Blade from Puppet Master. Uh, yeah. I, I, I chose Blade in that he, when whenever people think of Puppet Master, he's been around since the beginning. And he's just 
probably the coolest looking of all the puppets. I would say, man, you know what? The the jester was pretty cool, and the six shooter was pretty cool, but Blade, there's just he's been. I mean, that series has been around for so long, and if you were to see Blade, I think most people would immediately say Puppet Master. They they know the the puppet. Even if you're you haven't seen all the movies because there's a lot of them, even if you haven't seen them all, I think Blade is still pretty iconic in his appearance. So that's why I went and and chose him. Yeah, sadly, once again, I've only seen the first movie in that whole franchise, but I agree, the Puppet Master and or like played like we, the Puppet Master isn't really a guy, right? So it's all about the puppets. and so, Right. Well, but, he I mean, the creator was there in a lot of the yeah. movies, but you're right. It, it's he, about he's the not puppets. the character, really. It's yeah. More than anything else, it's about the puppets. Uh, OK, so we're, we're already at eight. We're going to have to cut a few here. What do you got? Uh, what do you got next? Uh, one that I uh, think is maybe forgotten by now but should be um well known is uh, dr fibes played ah, by uh okay yeah, he, he was basically saw before the saw uh right. movies um i i can't think of any names today but he's played by like my favorite horror actor um vincent price yes. and uh, that voice is just awesome and i think he i'm not sure if he's well known enough if he deserves rec- he deserves recognition but i'm not sure if he's one of the second tier i i don't think he is in that outside of really deep genre people are you going to find that recognition or even the facial recognition because you show that face or you hear that voice you say vincent price you you never relate it to a specific character but you're right in that he has one of the greatest or had one of the greatest voices to, to yeah. ever grace the screen. And, I mean, you want to talk about a genre champion. Vincent Price, once he got into the world of horror, and because he did a lot of non-horror stuff, but once people realize, like, this dude is super creepy, all the stuff he did with Roger Corman, all the um, Edgar Allan Poe stuff, yeah. um, The Last Man on Earth, fucking Michael Jackson thriller video. Like, you hear <laughs> yeah. that voice. That's the scariest thing about that whole video. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Here that Vincent Price. So we'll put him on the list. We'll have to see if he uh, if he makes the cut. The next yeah. one I wrote down, you brought this up last week, and I think he needed his own spot on the list. You threw him in the same bucket with uh, <laughs> Chucky, which I, yeah. I do agree with, but I'm going with Leprechaun, the yeah, Warwick Davis. as well. <laughs> yeah. Warwick Davis, Leprechaun, um, man, how many, I don't know how many movies. I think there's seven movie, seven movies total. With the uh, with the newest one, Origin, which is the only one Warwick Davis didn't play the Leprechaun, and the Leprechaun was very different. It yeah, was more of a WWE productions. Yeah, it was almost yeah. like a troll, the more than a a Leprechaun. But you, you know, you got that first movie, Jennifer Aniston doing amazing things, and he he ended up going from this first movie to Las Vegas to space to the Hood for two movies, <laughs> and. <laughs> He's one, again, I think you just show the picture, everybody yeah. knows who he is. P- people recognize him right away. For yes. sure. He he deserves the spot. I have him written down as well. Nice. Um, so, so since you uh, just mentioned one I brought up, I've got another one that you brought up last week and I put down, but I think here he totally belongs in. It's uh, Sam from... Uh, nice. Uh, the, uh, Trick or treat. Trick or treat, exactly. I can't think of any names today. I'm sorry, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sam from Trick or Treat, the little guy with the with the bag on his head. 
<laughs> He's got the burlap sack, which you bring it up. I watched it uh, the first half of it last night. It's one that I probably watch once every couple of months at least. And you're right when he when he shows up um, after the it was after the sequence when the the kids who are collecting the jack lanterns they go up to the door for the trick or treat asking for lanterns and he walks up behind them and just Sam standing there at the door. He's such an iconic image and he's become very popular even but I think to your point though from last week is not maybe not everybody knows the movie but they they know that image. They know yeah. it means something. And I, I think it's some of it is that he's he's kind of cute at the same time. He's like yeah. an adorable character. You're like, "Oh, Sam. What are you doing, <laughs> Sam?" Even though he's a fucking murder machine with a <laughs> a pumpkin for a face underneath that burlap sack. But he he embodies Halloween. He just wants candy. You got to be nice. Get some candy. Don't uh, put your jack-o'-lanterns out too early and you're good to go. Yeah. So but... Sam is a must. And then I have the next one I have is one that you brought up last week, who I think now belongs on the list, and that is Samara. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't even write her down again, but yeah, totally. She belongs on here. I think maybe she's already recognized by just static TV or phone ringing. Like, if you hear a certain phone sound, I would think of the ring right away. Yeah, and I think the the TV more than for me it's the TV more than anything else. Yeah. The, because at the the end of that first movie when she comes crawling out of that television, that scared people real bad. Yeah. And you know, she comes out soaking wet in the movie itself. I mean, spoilers, the movie's old, it's 16 years old. Um when uh you realize like when the little kids like you'd let her out? Like why would you do that? Why would and you realize that this woman's been on a mission to free this evil entity the entire time, and she she believes she's doing good. And yeah. I think that's what lent some of the punch to that movie. Was and we got some pretty bad sequels, but the the Samara, or if you just saw any girl standing with her hair over her face, yeah. you immediately think the ring yeah. is what it is. So yeah, she, I I think she deserves to be on this one. And I've got one, two, three more. I don't know how many more you've got. Uh, let, let me see. I've got uh, a few more, but I okay. Okay, I've got, oh yeah, I've also got uh, three more, I think, but I have them all marked with a question mark because I'm not sure. Okay. The the first one where I'm really interested to hear your opinion, I've written down The Thing, which Ooh. I think is like one of the the biggest movies in horror. And I'm not sure if if he it belongs on this list, though, because we never see The Thing, really. It's always in character of someone else. Right. So I but people know when you it's kind of when you just say the thing, which is a word. It the thing is a word, but when you say that, people think of this movie and of a shapeshifter. And and it's not only that the thing is one of the the greatest horror movies, it's just a phenomenal movie. For like sure. As a movie shot for shot in the world of practical effects, it's still hailed as one of the greatest and you've got all uh, the the biggest complaint people have today is there was no female characters and in at the time um you know i can kind of see the argument but still th that being said i i'm with you in that but you're right how do you but you show the images of uh the one you see a lot is um when he's got the face on the really long neck when it's coming out or the yeah. uh, the spider, the, the, the spider legs, with the, the spider, head on 
the spider or the arms getting bitten off in that dude's stomach. That's one of my favorite yeah. parts. Um, and I always like the dogs, too, when the dog's head opens up and you got all the little feelers coming out, searching yeah. for somewhere to go. Um, we, we will keep it on the list. It's going to be – that's a hard one, though. But I yeah. feel like there's certain images from this thing, if you showed it, people would know. And you're yeah. right, the words, like the thing. And, again, you got that John Carpenter score behind it. Kurt Russell being a badass, just dumping his brandy or whatever it was all over his computer because it beat him <laughs> at chess. So yeah. we'll keep we'll keep the thing on the list. Uh, after so next up, I've got 1980s Jack Torrance. Yeah, I I, I uh, looked on a few lists and I saw him as well, and uh, I'm I'm not sure I would classify him as a villain in that like I don't. He he doesn't feel like a villain to me, but more like someone possessed, because that's kind of like the point that he's like he's turning evil because of the hotel. Yeah, but then the argument but, could be made: Is Regan McNeil a villain, or is she just someone possessed? That's true. <laughs> but I think so I, I I chose Jack Torrance um, as an icon because of the famous shot of his face through that door. Yeah. That, I mean, in the world of horror, that image, how many times has it even been parodied? And and you see someone breaking down a door, and even though he ad-libbed that line, which I think is, or it was improv, which I think is great, the Here's Johnny line, that image in itself, I think, embodies the world of horror. And if anybody's going to do it, it's Jack Nicholson, because he's got that beautiful smile. But he's a very, very creepy dude. And and to me, I, I get where you're coming from, in that he, but he became the villain. Um, he did. He really becomes evil in every sense of the word. One of my favorite sequences in the movie is when he's following Wendy up the stairs, and you got that really cool tracking shot. Uh, not even really tracking, but he's just behind pulling the camera up, and he's just, yeah. give me the bat, Wendy. Wendy, come on. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in, Wendy. And he's scary as fuck. Oh, yeah. yeah, terrifying. Terrifying stuff. And now that you said that with the with the image of him through the through the door, I totally agree with you. It's one of the most iconic images, and he he has he deserves a spot on the list. Okay, um, so I've got two more. So what do you uh, what do you have left on your list? Yeah, I've uh, I've got one where I'm not even sure if he belongs in horror or if it's maybe uh, more of a um, uh, more of a sci-fi character but the terminator okay the, the first I, one I, at least is uh i would count it as a horror movie and it was banned for the longest time over here <laughs> see to me that's and that's weird because my next one is a blend of sci-fi and horror but this one he he is villainous but i don't think if you ask people to name horror movies i don't know if anyone would ever say terminator that's true. Because it is so much more heavy on the sci-fi side. That's the same way I think if somebody, you know, you name top 10 villains, a lot of people say Darth Vader. But I would never consider Darth Vader a horror villain yeah. as much as a, a sci-fi villain, even though he's a horrific character who does all kinds of badass shit. But I think Terminator, I mean, we can write it down, but I think I have a lot of arguments against why it is not, especially if you look at Terminator franchise as a whole who for most of the series is the hero. It's it's true. I've also written them down with a question mark, but I yeah, want yeah. to come up no, with it's 10 fun. names. Yeah, it's fun to discuss. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good time. 
Um, so my next one was a blend of horror sci-fi 1979, and I've got the Xenomorph. Yeah, the alien. <laughs> right, the alien, which the first <laughs> alien movie is, I tell people all the time, that's a horror movie. That's For you sure. Know, it's a haunted house movie in space, and instead of a yeah. ghost, you've got an alien. Who yeah. the 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 Geiger alien is just, I mean that image everybody knows, and yeah. maybe even if you don't know the xenomorph, the image of the the chest burster with the the baby xenomorphs and the face hugger, like that's a really fucked up thing to happen to someone. Like <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you get this thing and it's just shoveling eggs down your throat. <laughs> like hey, you're gonna be a incubator for my for my alien baby. But oh, it, for anyone who's familiar with Geiger's work, all of his stuff has a, a horror element to it. Very like biomechanical, sexual, but a, a lot of his stuff was scary. And I think the xenomorph is still very scary. When she, you know, either lowers herself down from the ceiling or is close to either, I think it was the third one, when she's really close to Ripley's face and the, the small mouth comes out of the big mouth yeah. and she realizes Ripley's got the alien DNA and whatever and doesn't end up killing her. But just the, the, like, drippy, oozy rows of razor-sharp teeth. Um, and you show somebody that picture, they know Alien. Even if they've never seen Alien, they're like, that's Alien. I know what that is. Yeah, and for it, sure. I'm, but, I'm almost wondering if maybe we forgot and Alien, uh, the Xenomorph should have been brought up last week when we talked about the main yeah. villains. Yeah, because she's up there, man. I mean, we've had so many of the Alien movies, um, the Alien vs. Predator movies. And it's just a, you're right, it's just a part of pop culture in that you've got, you know, statues, Funko Pops, toys, you name it. There's something out there with a Xenomorph. They even spoofed it in, um, what was it, Spaceballs. Then the, yeah. the Xenomorph goes, hello, my baby, hello, my honey. Yeah, exactly. And the, the Xenomorph's <laughs> dancing on the, the bar after it bursts out of the chest. But the, uh, I think Xenomorph for sure, and you're right, it could potentially take somebody's spot, but we've established that list. So, because the hard part is we could just keep going back episode and episode over and over again, rehashing what we think is the the correct yeah. list. But Xenomorph is, um, I think, needs to be on there for sure. And then, uh, so I've only got one left. What, uh, yeah, what do you got? Yeah, me too. And I wonder if I maybe have the same one because I'm, maybe you didn't bring him up because uh, it's one of the forgotten movies. I'd be willing to bet my paycheck you do not have the same one I do because this one is super questionable and I don't even know if it counts. But okay, but go I, ahead. I, I have someone that I uh, that I feel the same way. I'm not sure if he counts. I'm not sure if he's iconic enough. But I've written down uh, a character from your favorite horror movie, uh, Billy from. Uh, oh, very nice <laughs> from Dead Silence. Uh, no, for. Uh, that uh, Christmas? Uh, oh, Black Christmas. Black Christmas. That's yes. The, oh man, I was gonna Billy. say the the because I almost wrote down Billy from Dead Silence, the the primary oh, the, the, ventriloquist the doll? puppet. Yeah. Okay. Which, <laughs> but that again is just my love of dolls. But oh man, I didn't even think about. He he so, was forgotten for the longest time. People don't talk about that movie much, but you you like talking about it a lot. And, I love talking about that movie. And that movie is great. And I think. He's slowly getting more recognition. Um, well, he is in that they had the remake, which yeah. there are some people who I know. Um, I'm not going to name any names, but there's some people who I know who I'm friends with who uh, who prefer the remake over the original, <laughs> which I think is lunatic, just crazy. And you still call them friends? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. That's why I said I'm not going to name names. Um, so Black Christmas... 
Oh, man. There's... You're right. I could sit and talk about this movie for the next. I mean, we did a whole. If you want to hear me talk about Black Christmas, go back into the catalog of Film House podcast. I, I was fortunate enough to be a guest with Josh and Michael, and we talked Black Christmas for what? Probably an hour? I think <laughs> probably we talked more, about this yeah. movie. Yeah. So we won't get into all the details of Black Christmas. The The problem I, I, I can see just after thinking about it for these couple minutes with putting Billy on this list is there is no character there of Billy outside of the phone calls. Yeah. And you, which the phone calls are scary as shit. They're <laughs> super, super creepy. Um, but there's nothing there outside of those phone calls. And I mean, do they even mention his name? I don't think I don't any think of the, so. they don't that's... do that until the remake where they give you the full backstory of him and Agnes. And, but he keeps saying the, the name on the phone. Billy. Billy. Yeah, exactly. Well, what we want to know is, where's the baby? <laughs> Um, geez, oh, so good. So I, I, I will definitely leave Billy on the list, and I want Billy to stay on this list. But the hard part is, is, is like I fit? said, who is he? Yeah, like because you can't even put a face to it. Like you can't show an image because the only image we got was his eyeball peeking through that crack in the door when he grabs Olivia Hussey by the head, and he's you know throws her down the stairs or whatever it is. Or no, he he. She pushes the door, then runs down the stairs. He grabs her hair through the banister and is trying to kill yeah. her. But I, I just, there's no way to know who Billy even was. That's outside. true. I know, which makes him even scarier, which <laughs> yeah. I, I think, yeah. And we talked about the first slashers. And because this one was filmed in Canada, they don't consider it an American slasher. And that's why they give the American <laughs> slasher to, to Michael. Um, or, or maybe, uh, what was the other one they say? Peeping Tom. Yeah, be, Peeping Tom is yeah. like called the first, also in the 60s, but from Britain. Yeah, that was a creepy movie, too. Yeah. Even though, yeah, it, it was way ahead of its time, and it ruined a bunch of careers like nobody would work with the director or some of the actors. Yeah. Uh, but it's still a really good movie. So, Billy, and then the last one I got, and this one I think I might have just wrote down just because I want to say the name. <laughs> and I know we had mentioned this one is not going to be, we were, we were talking just characters and not any other presence, but um, I did want to bring this guy up. And I think it's more than anything, like I said, just to give credit where credit's due because we wouldn't have a lot of this stuff And he's iconic in that it's been spoofed so many times. And the, the format has been used so many times and it is the one late, great Mr. Rod Serling host of the twilight zone. And why I wrote Rod is that again, it's just everybody has 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 spoofed his his demeanor and his presence. And even though he was just this introduction to all of this horror, and a lot of the well, there's some good horror in the Twilight Zone. Some of my favorite episodes, you know, Living Doll, Talkie Tina, uh, The Dummy is a great one. There's also yeah. some really deep, uh, like philosophical stuff. Like if you get into the howling man or the monsters are due on Ma maple street, there's some really great stuff in the twilight zone. Again, I know he doesn't belong on this list of icons, <laughs> but I just wanted to talk about Rod Serling and this is our <laughs> podcast. So I'm going to talk about Rod Serling, go out there and watch the twilight zone, which I think we might be getting a new, a new remake, but we had the series in the eighties. Um, you had the movie come out, which was just a star studded, um, uh, man, it was a great cast throughout all of that thing. But uh, kind of with the, I should have probably brought this up with the Universal Monsters. I feel like Rod Serling, around that same time, coming out of the Universal era, gave the world so much that is still talked about to this day. I mean, it, 
I might, you could say Twilight Zone, or you could say there's something on the wing. If you say there's something on the wing, people immediately know what you're talking about. Like, oh, William Shatner, there's something on the wing. It's just so iconic. I had to bring it up. So I'm not going to put Rod on the list, but I was going to talk about him anyway, because that's what I came here to do. <laughs> okay, that's that's great, yeah. So okay. I think we've, we've got a long list of how many titles a, do we have? We've got a list of 60, 16 <laughs> that okay, we got to so whittle now- down to 10. Uh, I think there's a few right off the top. Um, so we'll go through real quick, and we'll get your votes. You tell me um, should stay or go. Yeah. All right. So first up, Norman Bates. Uh, yeah, Norman Bates. He's the one. If we've got sixteen and we gotta cut out some, I would cut him out because okay. I'm not really sure. If okay. I would uh, count him. Candyman. Yeah, he's he's definitely on. He's in for sure. Leslie Vernon? Yeah, so if we had to cut some out, maybe we will have to cut him out because he's not that famous. But I I would love to keep him on. <laughs> okay, so we've got... I'm putting question marks in the next to yeah. the questionable ones. Annabelle? Yeah, she she is one of she the stays. more recent, of the most recent uh, new horror icons. She's, I think she should stay. She's new school. Captain Spaulding? Yeah, he... I. I think he should stay. <laughs> I agree with you too. Uh, Bub. Yeah, Bub. He, I would even keep him as a representation of all zombies, basically. Right. Like, I think <laughs> right. he should stay and even stand for more than just Bob. Right. We should have done, a, speaking of Lugosi, Plan 9 from Outer Space. <laughs> <laughs> um, after that is Victor Crowley. Yeah, he should definitely, he's the new, the new face. He, of he's the with, Anna, yeah, he is the new slasher face. Um, Blade from Puppet Master. Um, yeah, there there are so many movies people would recognize him, but I think like the Puppet Master movies are also one that may might go under at a certain point that yeah, not I think that many right. people know about. You have we'll, to go deep into the genre. I think we'll put a question mark there yeah. after Blade is Doctor Fibes. Yeah, I, I think you, you're right. He's. Yeah. No one knows him until we go really deep into genre. Right. So, and he's more the actor than he is the character. <laughs> yeah, uh, Leprechaun. Yeah, he he belongs on the list. I, yeah. I would still put him on the back of Chucky and just put him in the first list. <laughs> right, but yeah, <laughs> all small, all small killers <laughs> go <Yeah>. together. <laughs> they can stack up and make one big killer. After that is Sam from Trick or Treat. Yeah, I think we almost brought him. We brought him up for the first list. Brought I think he up. belongs on this yeah. one. Uh, Samara. Yeah. Also, we brought her up in the first list, and I think she belongs at least here. People know that face, name, hair. Right. <laughs> and then we've got after that the thing. Yeah, I would put a question mark behind the thing because we don't have a face to it. But I think it's one of those. If we have the room, it should stay on more than many okay. of the others. And Jack Torrance. Yeah, I think after what you said with uh, him, uh, the, in the, the door. image of him through the door, I think yeah. he belongs on the list. And then uh, last, or we got two more. So Xenomorph? Belongs on the list, almost belongs on the first one, I think. I think I'm with you there. So, and that yeah. man, that's an iconic horror villain. And the last one is Billy from Black Christmas. I think we both kind of agreed, even though it breaks my heart. Because <laughs> you're right. Oh, one of the best fucking horror movies ever. Um, so Billy does not belong on the list just because there's no way to identify Billy. 
Yeah. Outside of pervy phone calls. I like your pretty pussy. <laughs> oh, that was so creepy, man. Those, uh, and I, I remember watching the um, uh, a Q and A that they did after a, a showing, an anniversary showing, and they had Saxton there and Bob Clark was there, and they said that they recorded like four or five or six different layers of vocals and just mixed them all up. And he told all these people, "Was like make animal sounds." Like, make these, and I mean, he uses some really offensive language. Like, what I said was pretty mild compared to what he actually says in this movie. Yeah. But he uses some, like, hyper-offensive language, and but it, it's such a, a weird experience to hear that. I almost want to watch that movie sometime with headphones on, because <laughs> I can't imagine, like, having that right in your head yeah, would be... Oh uh, okay, so let's look. The ones we have that are... Let's see how many we have that are set in stone. One, two, three, four, five... Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We got ten that are set in stone <laughs> right now. Okay, so so would you would you say that any of those that I said we should put a question mark on, you want to get on there, and we maybe have to kick someone off, or should we just stick with those ten that we now? Um, the one I would say the only one that's hard for me because Leslie Vernon again, I don't know if a lot of people know, but I think and and especially with a lot of these guys outside of. Let's see. Outside of Sam, almost everybody else is either well in Jack Torrance. Even though we're getting the Doctor sleep, well, even with Trick or Treat, there's they've been talking about a sequel for a long time. Most of these have been in multiple films, and with Leslie Vernon, it's just the one movie. And if somebody's not very familiar, you're talking about a movie that's 11 years old now. If somebody's not familiar, I think if they saw that mask, they would know it was scary. Which I love that mask. I think it's a, a great it's mask. Awesome, yeah. But it is, and in a way, it's so meta that it, it embodies everything else. The, you know, the same way that Cabin in the Woods was kind of a uh, an expose on horror movies more yeah. than it was an actual horror movie itself. Even though Leslie Vernon, I think, is is very scary at the end. It's um super creepy as a slasher. But so these are question marks. You got Leslie Vernon, The Thing, and Norman Bates. Norman Bates is is a hard one in that, again, I think even if it's not Norman Bates himself, he is the name everybody remembers from that movie, and that movie is so iconic in that even the just the knife sounds, those strings, just yeah. it's hard for me to get past that. That re, 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 ra, ra, ra. Doo-doom, doo-doom, yeah. doo-doom. Uh, yeah, and the, the blood going down the down the drain. And I think he's almost a, a like he's a term. Like it's funny because every every Mother's Day I send a picture of Norman Bates to my mom and I say <laughs> I write on it, a boy's best friend is his mother. I usually make a meme out of it. Um, be, it, it's just such a part of pop culture. It's hard for me to not see Norman Bates on the list. Um, but the question is, who would I replace Norman with? Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't have the list in front of me, but I like with, with most of the ones we just talked through, I, I was like, he should totally be on or right. we can kick him off. And you, I, I think all the ones, I don't know who I would get rid of. So as much as it would hurt my heart, I think the one I would pull off the list, because I think the exposure still isn't, even though, I mean, I've got up on my shelf behind me, I've got a living dead doll of Sam. 
but I, I think people know Sam, but I don't know if people would be able, if I showed them a picture of Sam, I don't know if they would immediately say trick or treat. I, That's true. Man, this is a hard one. Why, yeah. why, why, why you give me this question, Will? Why'd you give this to us? Um, it would be for me between Sam and Bub. You're right, though. I want Bub on there for that zombie recognition I, I because it, he really be is there. an iconic image. So my, who else? Can you can you read the list of the ones we have? Yeah. Again? So these are the ones we've got. We've got Candyman, Annabelle, Captain Spaulding, Bub, Victor Crowley, Leprechaun, Sam, Samara, Jack Torrance, and Xenomorph. Okay, yeah, the, the Xenomorph should be there for the first time. For sure. Almost, so, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe, like, with those, yeah, either Sam or maybe Jack Torrance, we could kick right. off for Norman Bates. Jack Torrance and Norman Bates are kind of on on a similar level for me. Of like, I, I, would, I would agree in that they're both crazy people. Yeah. And that, and as as much as I do love The Shining and think Jack Torrance should be on, because that is an iconic image. Or you know what? Maybe we just say top eleven. Let's because, make it a top eleven. <laughs> let's make it top eleven because yeah, the, everybody who we've talked about, I feel really deserves to be on this list. And I hate seeing someone cut out, but so those were the ones we would have been torn between. <laughs> this is our show. We do whatever we want. Yeah, <laughs> make top eleven. So, um, all right. So our top 11 are Norman Bates, Candyman, Annabelle, Captain Spaulding, Bub, Victor Crowley, Leprechaun, Sam, Samara, Jack Torrance, and the Xenomorph. <laughs> in, no, in no order. Like, right. this is in, just the order we came up with. Yeah, we're not going to do a, a number one. We already got our number one icon. Okay. So thanks again, Will, for shooting over the question. It was fun. Yeah, it was, thank uh, you. Yeah, it was cool to 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 do this and go through. Um, so that is our top eleven uh, second tier horror icons, and I don't think we'll ever do a third tier because then we'd really have to start digging deep. Because yeah. I don't think third tier is iconic outside yeah. of your your really deep like Cropsy and and Farmer Vincent, who we had mentioned last week. There's a few characters who were in, um, or even uh, shoot, now I can't remember his name. Uh, Jeffrey Combs and Reanimator. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, those are all iconic, iconic people. But at the same time, it's just that would be too much. So, man, we're already up at an hour and fifteen minutes. That was fun. I enjoyed yeah, it. it. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. So now you, there you have it, folks. You got your top tier and your second tier, and we'll be back next week. If you want to get into touch with us, you can um, email us. What is it? IHOH podcast, podcast at gmail.com. Gmail. Com. Yeah. Let us know if you think we were wrong on any of our lists. Shoot us an email over. And you can follow us on all the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And uh, the episodes come out every Sunday night. And as always, if you can go on to iTunes, give that rate and review. That is huge. Helps us get a little more exposure. It just takes a couple minutes of your time. Just jump on that Apple podcast. Leave a review. Let people know what you think. And so for the International House of Horrors, I have been Joe Merle. And I have been Josh. And we'll be back next week to the Sanctuary of Spooky for all things horror, terrible, the macabre, the gory, the brutal, all things good in the world. All right. We will talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>